Welcome to the Hail to the District podcast with your host, Rajan Nanavati. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Hail to the District podcast. I'm Rajan, and with Pat traveling back east to take care of a social commitment, which I think thankfully for him, uh, it may have ensured that he didn't get to watch most of this game, if any of this game. Um, I'm actually pleased to be bringing my my buddy John back for his second straight podcast appearance, following, of course, our NBA season preview, which if you haven't listened to yet, make sure you go do so. Um, But back on the subject at hand for this evening's podcast, um, we're here to talk about the Washington football team's loss to the Green Bay Packers earlier today by a final score of 24 to 10. And John, I usually defer to Pat for the opening thoughts, um, but I kind of just wanted to get the main crux of the conversation out there right off the bat. Please feel free to chime in so I don't kind of just keep ranting about this godforsaken franchise like a crazy person. Sure, you don't want to talk about the Wizards being two and zero. Oh my God! To this it's awful team. There's that meme going around where of the of the guy looking at looking at the other girl while like his angry girlfriend is there. Like the uh, the other girl is the Wizards and the Capitals, and the angry girl is Washington is is the Washington Football Team. And I'm like, that's so appropriate right now. It's so appropriate. Uh, I've never had this imbalance of investment. I'm like, I'm going to go watch the Wizards instead. I'm more excited about them right now. Um, Real. So every week at least for the beginning of this, for this particular season, you know, we, we come on, we yell about how bad the defense is rightfully. So, you know, you know, all the stats, the historically bad third down defense. I didn't realize our third down opposing third down conversion percentage was like the worst in 30 years, 40 years, 40 years. But like, I mean, when you really think about it, that makes sense. But in the context of today's game, you know, if you had to eat this loss because Aaron Rodgers just did like vintage Aaron Rodgers shit, like he just turned into the fire breathing dragon and eviscerated everything, like that's one. We've seen quarterbacks, like I said it before, I'll say it again, like Justin Herbert was borderline unstoppable in week one. Josh Allen's borderline unstoppable in the majority of the games that he's played in this season. Um, you know, even when we play Patrick Mahomes, although Mahomes looked not good last week and a whole lot of not good today. Um, but like when you play a quarterback like that, you just get your ass beat. You have to tip your cap and say like, look, we got beat by just a superior quarterback. There's nothing you can do. And, and Aaron Rodgers is a surefire first ballot hall of fame quarterback, but that wasn't the case today. Right? Like he did good, great, good things, great things, wonderful things, whatever, but that's just who he is. But otherwise the much maligned defense who I will never have any nice things to say about generally speaking, like they did their part today. Look at the numbers. I know numbers don't always paint the picture, but first of all, they held them under 30 points, which as sad as this is to say, is an accomplishment for us. Uh, Devontae Adams, second lowest receiving output of the season. Green Bay ran the ball for a total of 57 yards today as a grand total. I mean, now they only carried the ball 15 times, but they held them under four yards of carry as a whole. Uh, The front four, they generated pressure. They got three sacks, coupled by Jonathan Allen, Montez Sweat had one, but more importantly, they did get pressure on Rodgers, which was a big part of their game plan going in. There was the stat, I think John Kime threw this out in his podcast, where like, I mean, it's not that surprising, but they were like, Rodgers is significantly worse when he's actually facing pressure than he is without. Shocker for any quarterback, right? Point being, as a whole, this game was another one that felt competitive, for the first half, and yet when the score was fourteen to seven or seven to seven until that until Rogers and uh, and Company scored the touchdown the, uh, towards the end, you know you felt you had that like oh maybe we'll win today, but at the same time the amount of opportunities that Green Bay afforded us and we couldn't take advantage of them and we didn't 
just felt like it's going to come back to bite us yet again, just like what happened against Kansas City. And I'll kind of leave it here by saying or quoting what Jonathan Allen said after the game, losing teams find ways to lose games. And I think that's just an appropriate place to leave it there. Yeah. What was it? Green Bay um, hadn't stopped anybody in the red zone all season. What is that? All season. So that's that's a Joe Barry defense for you, isn't it? So Joe Barry defense, right? I, I, I was one of the things I wanted to make a note of. Uh, 23rd in DVOA, and that actually felt like really high. Like I thought that would be worse, but Green Bay was 23rd overall in DVOA entering this uh, entering this game. As you mentioned, historically bad red zone defense. Hadn't stopped anyone from getting in the end zone this season. I think there were 15 for 15 in terms of other teams scoring touchdowns. Worst red zone defense, again, in like 40 years. Um, and the thing that really, really got to me was like, on top of all of that, Green Bay had both their starting cornerbacks out, arguably the best player on their defense and Jair Alexander wasn't in this game. Both of the Smith brothers, Zaire Smith or Zadarius Smith, excuse me, and, uh, and Preston Smith, both of them were out. And yet we managed a grand total of seven points plus three points in garbage time. Awful. They had four attempts in the second half in the red zone and they were shut out four times. All they had to do is convert two of those and this, you know, you're looking at a possible overtime, but yeah, they just, they couldn't get it done. Heineke. I mean, I love when that guy runs, he does scare you a little bit, like, cause you're afraid if he gets hit, like he's going to just get crushed and you can see that he's like afraid to get hit. Like even on like the 40 yard run, like a second that like guys converged on him, he folded quick. And then on that, on the would be touchdown run, like you're watching it and you're like, oh yeah, he's got plenty of room. And he just like kind of dives a yard short and his knee hits the ground and you're like, son of a bitch. And then the next thing you know, they're calling a quarterback sneak on fourth and inches with a, you know, six foot, 200 pound quarterback who fumbles the ball. Somehow he recovers it and still they don't give him the stretch over. Yeah. That just, that just kind of summed it all up right there. It's like, I mean, they had flashes where you're like, wow, this, because the offense overall, they're, they're a mediocre offense. They're like a, they're what, a 15th ranked offense, some, somewhere in that range, some of that general depending range. on which stat you're looking at. And that's what they show you. And they give you like a little bit of hope. Terry McLaurin is a monster. Like I feel so bad for him. Like he's kind of like, is he the next Allen Robinson where you're like, can we just get him on a team with a good quarterback? Because that's a great The call. guy's a monster. I mean, seven receptions, 122 yards, touchdown. He's your guy every time. I mean, nobody else stood out at all um, receiving-wise. I mean, Adam Humphreys actually kind of showed up today um, and, and made a few little few plays, um, a few more plays than Curtis Samuels has made all season Jesus. for this team. Um, but, yeah, they just could not get it done when it counts. And um, I, I don't know what to do. I, I don't – I don't know what the fix is. There's no quick fix for this. I think that's, so that's a point where I want to pick up from there in terms of the quick fix or like, oh, if you just flap a bandaid here, right? You've alluded to this in some cases and there's just, you know, when you watch this team, unfortunately close enough week after week, a lot of smart people have written about this. A lot of people have complained about it, but with the offense, it's really not like, again, one thing that you can just fix with a bandaid or be like, oh, just fix this and it'll be like, everything will be fine, right? It's this perfect storm where you lack a depth of playmakers or like a secondary playmaker, I should even say in this case, behind McLaurin, to your point, you lack a good enough quarterback. Like, you know, I, 
the, the, the Heineke story, you know, it, it's no secret that I've Fantastic. jokingly called him, you know, the combination of Brady, Favre, and Jesus, right? But like his shortcomings every single week are more and more apparent. The arm strength, the timing, the decision-making, the hero ball moments. Sometimes he'll run, sometimes he won't, right? I get that this is his sixth or something start. I try to temper my thoughts with that a lot, but at some point you just kind of have to call a spade a spade, except for, especially for a team that badly needs it. Right. But it's a good enough lack of good enough quarterback, lack of playmakers, lack of innovative play calling. Like, yeah. um, I think it's Chris Cooley who made this metaphor and he's like, there are strategic play callers and there are grab bag play callers. And Scott Turner feels very much like a grab bag play caller. And that was Cooley's comment, not mine. I'm, I'm, I'm quoting him generally speaking. Right. And they all kind of just come up at different times. Um, You know, again, we talked about Heineke. You've mentioned about the fact that there's basically McLaurin and then everybody else. And then, you know, to the point about the defensive deficiencies that green Bay entered the game with, like there was Except for Heineke running the ball more today, there was nothing where you're like, oh, you came in with a thoughtful game plan to attack whatever their deficiencies were. It's kind of just the same old shit that we see every single week. And at some point, you just have to be like, are you going to think outside the box? Are you going to bother to read the scouting report of the the other team? Are you just going to do what you've been doing over and over again and hope, per the definition of insanity, that something changes? or in hope that they somehow it sinks in with the players and they execute better. But uh, yeah, it's, it's not completely on execution. The play callings just, it's the same, as you said, they never adjust to their opponents. Um, and, and, and especially in this season, they've made zero halftime adjustments. Like they're competitive in the first half. And then the second half, they just fall apart. This team has followed the same script every single game, almost every single game this year, go down in the first quarter, rally in the second quarter and complete do something catastrophic to themselves in the third quarter and then fall apart. Yeah. Like today with the, the fumble on the first drive, you're just like, Oh shit, here we go again. You Every single chance. game, right. There was the missed field goal or the non field goal or something with related to the field goal last week that kind of just set everything on fire. And I'm sure if I go back to my notes, I'm, I'm missing other things. Right. But it's just, they do something in it to your point about adjustments. This was a third quarter team last year. Like we sucked yeah. in the first half of the game. And then the third quarter we came out and a lot of times in the fourth they would quarter. make the adjustments. We, we were house of fire a million times better. It's like they needed that, that preview. They, it's like, wait, can we get a sneak peek before we, before we uh, do anything? And yeah, they were like just too afraid to actually make a game or commit to a game plan. They're just like, well, I don't know if that'll work. So we'll just stick with what we've been doing. Okay. That wasn't working. Let's go with, let's, let's change it up. Well, what exactly? We'll watch what they did in the first half and then we'll kind of devise this like back of the napkin game plan at halftime. Right. And this is like the exact opposite. They're like, we came in, we know what we're doing is not working. Let's do more of it. Right. Right. And I, 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 I just, I don't know what to say. Um, you know, uh, alluding back to what John Kimes says, for anyone listening, John Kimes' podcast is the best for Washington football team stuff. I mean, just bar none. He, he ton of wisdom, great stuff. Love listening to it. Um, and he, he made this comment. He makes this comment on Twitter. He made it in his podcast. And he said, among other things, right? Like, you know, this offense lacks an identity. Like, there's right. just no identity to it. I mean, it lacks rhythm. It lacks firepower. You know, whatever else it is. But just plain and simple, even with all of that said, it just doesn't have an identity. We're a lot of you know, strong running from Antonio Gibson and then a bunch of like poo-poo platter pass calls. And, you know, one thing I want to kind of dig into a little bit with Heineke. And again, I love the story of Heineke. I'm, I hate the fact that I'm kind of saying negative things about him, but it's a lot of save us Terry McLaurin type of plays. Yeah. 
No, totally. Um, with with Heineke, I don't think I don't think even if our most delusional, we thought that he was the long term answer. We no. just thought this is a guy that can play and he's fun to watch. And he's still I mean, he can play in this league, but you're not going to build your franchise around him. And if he's on your roster, you're not upset to have him. And if he had to fill in for a game or two, you could easily survive and he'll keep a defense on their toes. But yeah, if you want him to like march you to the postseason and carry a team on his back, he just, it's not there. It's not there. But I mean, how can you expect that from an undrafted QB? Um, you know, we all joked that like, we hope that he's Kurt Warner. We all deep down knew that this was not Kurt Warner, like the second right. coming or something like that. And to the point that we've made so many different times, right? Like this era of the NFL, the curtain warners and those types of stories don't exist anymore. Like you need that freakish stud quarterback in place in order to really be a competitive team. Like there's a reason the archetype has shifted to Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, well, not Josh Aaron Rodgers, Josh Allen, uh, Lamar Jackson, Russell Wilson. It's not just about athleticism. It's just this unstoppable singular force that you're like, look, I can't stop this quarterback. He's going to beat me one way or another. Right. And um, I mean, shit, as bad as that team is, but like you see elements of that with like, that's why people like Trevor Lawrence, again, their team is God awful, but he shows you elements of that. Justin Fields, although that was a horrible beat down that was today, but guys like that, right? Like you see elements of those and that's why they're so coveted. Um, even if they're not perfect quarterbacks, but they're just like, look, they can beat you in a myriad of ways. And it's fun when Heineke can run and, and do the improvisational shit that he does, but the shortcomings are just so evident. See, I thought Heineke would be more of a Tony Romo than a Kurt Warner. That's, it's so funny you say that. That's the comp when, you know, everyone <coughs> calls him Kurt Warner or something like that. Romo was the comp I keep coming back to. Romo came out of nowhere. Same, same Eastern scenario. Illinois. He wasn't drafted, right? And he was not drafted. The thing that I compare the most with Romo is... Um, Heineke is so damn elusive in the pocket and Romo yeah. used to drive everyone nuts with how hard he was to bring down. Right. And like how right. few sacks he would take. And that was the thing that like, I don't, don't think it was quite the athlete that Romo was, but like that, that, that was the comp I've always had for him. Yeah. No, I, I think he fits that one to a T. Yeah, that was, um, it, but so this was another thing I've alluded to it at different points, but, um, well, a couple of things. I'll come back to my bigger hot take, if you will. Um, but talking about what you were mentioning, with uh, Terry McLaurin, you know, Pat talks about this a lot where the good quarterbacks put the one, they put their guys in position to make plays, but two, they make sure they feed the hot hand or they kind of make sure that they feed their best players. We know Heineke does that quite a bit with Terry McLaurin, right? Like obviously he does that, but Heineke is also riding this line between rightfully force feeding Terry McLaurin and getting tunnel vision. Like there's, it's almost this point where he's like, I'm just going to keep throwing it to Terry over and over again, irrespective of the down distance situation and all of those things. And you're like, look, we all love McLaurin. He is a top 15 receiver without breaking a sweat, not even a question, if not a top 10 receiver in the league, but at some point you have to diversify. And I know we don't have Curtis Samuel, the groin injury that'll never heal. Um, You know, Cam Sims is out. That's a lost season for, for Curtis Samuels. And Deami Brown has been fine, but again, he hasn't been on the field. And I think what you're alluding to is uh, also uh, Heineke just, he misses, he, w- with the tunnel vision, he misses the other options, which are occasionally wide open. And instead of like hitting the open guy who can then, you know, yards after the catch, get you the first down, he forces it in. 
you know, he's, he, he has a nice little rapport with Ricky Seals Jones. That's obviously developed, but like today's point, as someone who had him on his fantasy team today, like Seals Jones didn't have a, a target, let alone a catch until the second half. Right. Right. So, you know, and I, obviously there's a lot of dump offs, but like there's a couple of times where he's dumping off the ball to Gibson and McKissick. And if those guys, when they get the ball, they get killed or are about to get killed when they catch the football. And it's almost too, it's, it's, it's not the right uh, target or pass in those situations, but Gibson two catches five yards. And um, McKissick had that one, um, it was in the third or fourth quarter. I can't remember where he was. It was down on the flat and like he was inches away from basically getting killed by like the oncoming linebacker. McKissick didn't catch the ball, but like there's too many instances where he, because of timing or whatever, he, he lays his out guys out to try. And look, we knew that was Heineke's game. We're not nitpicking him. Like that's kind of his thing. Like timing was always a question and he's more of a gamer than a passer. Like we all know that, but you know, losing is going to bring about all of this magnifi- magnification of, everyone's shortcomings. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I was looking at the schedule and I, I remember looking, you know, before the season started and going, man, they'll be lucky if they have three wins, if they get to the bye week, by the time they get to the bye week, just looking at their schedule. And right now they're at that point where it's like, they'd be really lucky. And I think they still could though. Cause I mean, Denver is Denver's beatable. Denver's beatable. They're, they're, they're just banged up. Um, and the defense isn't isn't uh, as dominant as it should be. And um, Teddy Bridgewater is just I mean, he's still an upgrade over Drew Locke, but, you know, they're not doing anything. The, the receiving core is torn to shreds. So, yeah, that's a game. But again, they're on, they're going on the road. Um, so who knows how they're going to do that and how they'll handle the, you know, the altitude and all the other challenges that come with going to Denver. Um, and and like it's so healthy. So it, I'm, you know, I'm not shocked that they're in this position that they are. I mean, they had, they had a tough road. They, they, I mean, I'm not saying I'm delusional that they're going to like turn this thing around in the second half of the season. I don't see it at all. Like, I just don't see that, but is it outside the realm of possibility? No, but I mean, they're not going to come back and win the division. Dallas is running away with it. And then you have the other, you know, everybody else is sitting at two and five and stinking up the joint. Yeah. Um, somebody made a post today on Twitter where they were saying that, you know, if the NFL draft was today, Washington would have the seventh overall pick. And I'm like, so that great. puts us, that puts us in the bottom one great to the point about the draft itself in terms of who's going to be awful. available. This draft is one of the worst. I mean, we're looking at that. I think it was the 2013 draft that had Eric Fisher in it, which turned out to be a complete and utter shit slide. And like, this feels like that, like this upcoming draft, like there's, is no the quarterback buddy. class kind of like the uh, the Daniel Jones? Uh, no, it's worse. It's no, it's worse. worse. Oh. It's worse. It's worse. Oh. Somebody made the reference that this is the EJ Manuel draft, and oh, like wow. that's that's the level of quarterbacking we can expect out of this one, and that feels about accurate. There's nobody. There's nobody. EJ Man, did he? He la- he was the second round pick, right? Uh, Fifteenth, like was- mid first round. It was a okay. reach. It was admittedly it was a reach. A massive reach. But he was, was projected second round and the first quarterback off the board, right? Wasn't that how it was the, that year? He was, yes. And then Buffalo ended up, I thought they traded up and snagged them or something. I can't there. remember. I'm pulling up that draft. It doesn't right matter. Um, oh, it was the yeah, aforementioned 2013 draft, the Eric Fisher draft, right? That, is, is, a, like, that is a sad, sad state of affairs. Yeah. I'm um, pulling up 
you know, it's, it's funny that the only really transcendent player, at least right off the bat to come out of that, A, didn't go until like uh, the basically the end of the first round. That was DeAndre Hopkins. Past that, the quarterbacks in that draft. Oh, I thought that was the Geno Smith draft. So that was EJ Manuel, Geno Smith, and um, Mike Glennon. Those are the three guys we're fighting Ooh. over. And Matt Barkley. This this feels a little bit like that. Maybe okay. a lot like that. Yeah, so... Not, not that there was any uh, quarterback hope in sight. There clearly is not, unless they somehow jump in a, a interesting, possibly interesting trade market. Which I don't think. Like the 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 the, the rumors were making their rounds about Tua Tagovailoa. I believe, if you ask me, that Washington made a call just for due diligence. Oh, yeah. Like they made a call um, just to see, like, could they steal him for like a fifth or something like that? Obviously, that was not the case, and the conversation ended there. Um, and the public posturing was basically like when they're like hard no. I think the hard no was more like, are we hardcore pursuing? What's him? the trade deadline? When is uh, it? Is it next Tuesday. Week? Tuesday. Yeah. I don't see. Not day uh, after tomorrow, Tuesday, a week from Tuesday. Okay. I still don't see Watson moving for them. I think there will be lots of smoke. I don't think there will be fire. Well, now the smoke's in Carolina. Yep. Although um, Dal- after, I think Miami is done with Tua with Tua um, for better or for worse, um, I, I you can I, as someone who was a big, 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 big fan of his when he was over there, um, I can see both sides of the argument. Like I really can. I've watched enough of them. Um, I've heard some strange things about him. Like they're like the the money got to him and his family and stuff like that. Like there's that room that rumor going around, which, which I would, was very surprised to hear. Yeah, I wouldn't expect that. Yeah, neither would I. I thought from an intangible standpoint that kid was clean. Um, but it also goes back to like the physical freak archetype that I keep talking about. Like the arm strength isn't there, obviously medical issues, all of those things. And like, people are like, well, Joe Burrow, isn't this Adonis? Joe Burrow is a really good athlete. Like he's a really deceptively good athlete. People don't realize it. That guy's a stud. Like that guy's great. I, I said it last year before he went down, like that guy's great. I never understood people like doubting him last year. Like I know the Bengals were bad, but no, he he was putting up numbers on a on a sorry team, and he now was so good. But look how quick a turnaround happens because the Bengals were sorry, 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 sorry. They were really bad. Joe Burrow steps in, looked good, got hurt, comes back. They don't even make all the upgrades that they need to 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 help him. Nope. They give him his favorite target from college, which you could easily have criticized all summer long, and I people did. were. I did. And now. Um, Jamar Chase looks like an absolute monster. Wouldn't have seen that. Nobody saw that coming. I mean, no. I, not this, not like this. And but that's the type of breaks that you need to turn a franchise around. I mean, these these type of quarterbacks they they alter franchises. Look at Cleveland; they're stuck with Baker. They're they're just stuck. Like they should be. Remember, before the season started, we talked about them winning the division. And wow, we, we were wrong on that one. It might be Cincinnati. It's a possibility. I, I would be hard Baltimore's, pressed to disagree with you right now. Like right. I really I would. I think Baltimore is going to eventually, you know, once week 18 is concluded, I believe Baltimore will be that, that division winner. But uh, we all thought it would be Cleveland. Plus Lamar's playing out of his mind right now. So, um, so yeah, like imagine if Baker was just better. And that's exactly what it comes down to over there. They're like, it's funny. I think it was one of the columnists over in Cleveland wrote the story. They're like, 
you can't fault Baker for not being a franchise quarterback because Baker Mayfield is not a franchise quarterback. Like he's just not built to be that guy. And it keeps coming back to this, like you need this big, this big physical freak to do so. And like Baker kind of feels a little bit like it's a stupid comparison, but a little bit like Heineke where like, there's the shortcomings that you have from the quarterback. Like he can't do all the things you need from the elite quarterback. Right. Whereas Kyler Murray, who you, would would have also criticized because both him and, and Baker kind of were like the same where like nobody thought they were going one overall and then the closer you got to the draft the, the more the rumors spun up and you're like oh crap these guys are going first overall who would have seen this coming but Kyler Murray like when you watched him play though even though he's short the, he's a freak he can huck it and he can he, can, he runs like he, the roadrunner he's elusive he's fast as hell and he's got a cannon absolute cannon arm which is that intangible that you're talking about that Baker and Heineken don't have. They don't. And I, I think the arm strength in particular, I was always someone having grown up with my football formative years, looking at the Jamar, I mean, the the fucking, who's the fat ass from LSU, uh, uh, Jamarcus Russell, Marcus Russell, you know, like looking at that, we're like, oh, he can throw the ball a country mile. And I will never forget the 19, the 2002 draft or 2004 draft with Kyle Baller. Like, oh, yeah. well, Kyle Baller can throw it from his knees through from the goalposts. And like, who the fuck cares? Right. Like, what does what does that mean? It was 49.49% passer in college. Like, that's wonderful. Right. Right. And like, that's the type of stuff that, that jades you against a guy like Josh Allen, who, it, you know, I, is, I thought Josh Allen was going to be Kyle Bowler 2.0. I, right. It just smelled of it. Read you know, And it. like, we just live in this different era now with quarterbacks. It's like, it's, it, it comes down to, are you a physical freak? And are you mentally like, do you have the sixth sense instinct to play the quarterback position? Cause you can't just be an athlete out there, right? Like right. otherwise, cause you're just an athlete out there, but it's like, do you have that natural wiring it takes to play the quarterback? Like you understand how to play the position and then you have to be a physical freak that's just the, the formula but unfortunately like going back to this year's draft there's nobody who fits that built mold so and i was actually looking and i'm like is there a guy two years from now three years from now and i'm like unfortunately there isn't like what is it's the next one the the arch manning is that, is that it might be next? arch manning right like that's literally who we're looking at Our like next i hope or if everybody's going to start tanking for him um i have to do a little he'll have, he'll have the mental fortitude yeah, clearly, or at least the genetics, if nothing else, right? But like yeah. he's he's kind of he feels I hate to bring up this name, but he feels a little bit like Jimmy Clausen, where like everyone is already sweating his balls, like and the kid's barely, you know, out of high school yet. And he's yeah. you know, unprecedented levels of, of interest. But yeah, but um, I don't think he's got the he's he's not he doesn't have the inflated head. Like no, no, he's Jimmy Clausen. Oh my like, god, that guy was a D-bag. Massive D-bag. Um, well, if you could argue the Clausen had the genetics too. I mean, they're just fucking three brothers in the NFL or something like that. Um, yeah. And so going back to how this all relates to Washington, right? Like everyone was talking about as the trade rumors kind of came up this week where they're like, look, you know, they know the quarterback position is an issue. They know that Heineke is not the answer uh, for the long term, but what is? And it's right. not even like in the off season where you have like, okay, well, there's a Matt Stafford coming up, you know, potentially on the trade block or things like that. Like the best you could probably swing for, and I'm not even hundred percent sure that he's going to be available is like a Matt Ryan. And that's just another bandaid potentially. And right. the hot take that I was going to go to just let's to finish. Hear it. Let's hear it. So Warm my, it it's, not, it's not a hot take, but like it was my secret weird Warm take where it's like, I was secretly hoping that Ryan Fitzpatrick would be healthy by the bye week 
and okay. and yeah. to put and to put him back in and he kind of gives us the Alex Smith jump start like we did last year like you know like he's not uh, trending in that direction well no like so there was reports this morning from um was Ian Rappaport or somebody like that were like he's walking around this week in the facility on crutches like Ooh. dudes on crutches right now so you're at best at best and this is like medical miracle level stuff where you're looking at him being the starter after the bye week and i'm like look i'm not putting him out there against tampa like that's not happening right, right. i don't want to get him killed again so and then you'd have to go against carolina which right. again would not be an easy defense to go and outside against. of what they did today their defense is nasty right right um and seattle and then the vegas pass rush wouldn't want him to face that so and there's also the possibility where like Heineke doesn't play this season. And I would honestly put more money on the possibility. He does not play at all this season. Like he's not medically cleared to play the season than him. Fitzpatrick, being, yeah. Being put back in as a star, excuse me, Fitzpatrick being uh, not medically cleared to play this season versus um, him being put in, in place of Heineke. Wouldn't so, he, I mean, I agree with you. I'd love to see him just to, cause we wanted to see it. Cause what I think what they're missing is that downfield push that we were expecting to get from, from Fitzpatrick, which would be a little bit of a change in change of pace and possibly give them some identity. Um, so yeah, I would like to see it just to see it. Cause again, that would factor into your off season, your next off season. Cause he was on a one-year deal. Do you give him another one-year deal or is buy this more time. for the guy? Yeah. Do you, well, cause they got to buy more time. Um, and now there's like, it. I, I firmly believe that like, they're just, you know, there are countless teams you can talk about us being one of them. where like, they're just wandering the quarterback abyss for years and years and years and years and just rotating guy after guy after guy. Buffalo is a perfect example. Like look how many idiots they went through between Jim Kelly or Doug Flutie and Josh Allen, right? Like we're kind of Chicago is another great example. They've never had one really, but like, we feel like we're just going to be in the situation where we don't have a dude, like there's nobody there. Yeah. And there's no answer. And I honestly also feel like if we drafted a dude, this, this media and this fan base is so toxic that we're just going to run him out of town anyway. Like that was my concern with like, if you brought it into a tongue of Iloa, everyone's going to expect this Heisman trophy winning quarterback. And like, if he doesn't pan out in three games, everyone's going to turn on him right away. And I'm like, that doesn't really help anything. So I don't know. It's, it's, it's so frustrating. Yeah. It's so and frustrating. I, I, if, if, Aaron Rodgers does not want to stay in Green Bay. I, he's definitely not coming to Washington. Aaron Rodgers I, going to I think Denver. He would be going to Denver. He's going because to Teddy Bridgewater is not establishing him. He's he's playing like he played in Carolina, where you're like, this guy's fine. I want to do better. I'm just going to say this: Aaron Rodgers, at whatever age he will be, I think he's going to be 38 or 39 next year. Aaron Rodgers throwing to Cortland Sutton for once a healthy Jerry Judy. Uh, KJ Hamler and there's somebody else over there. I'm missing Tim Patrick as a receiver and no offense to tight end who I still love. And Javante Williams probably be the running back next year. Like that's a really good offense right there. Right. And that's in, in their defense, like uh, Von Miller is probably going to be there, but they've got pieces on the defense. I don't think Vic Fangio is going to be there, but um, yeah, man, I I think he ends up in Denver. So it's definitely not Aaron Rodgers. No, no. I just wanted to dispel that. Of course. Like not even a realm of possibility. Um, yeah, I have no clue what it would be. Baker Mayfield. <laughs> that, it's so funny you say that. That's a legitimate possibility, as sad as this is to say. Like, I can't believe that's the I, truth, right? Yeah. Unless, uh, yeah, I don't know what Cleveland's going to do because their, their options are just as crappy as ours, you know? 
Yeah, I think they didn't up him for this for his fifth year option. Like I don't can't remember right. if they picked it up. So mm-hmm. they didn't. So like he's I think he'll be a, a free agent. Or do they just say screw it and they franchise tag and we'll be like this will be our solution for one more year, you know? And before Washington fans bring it up, we're not getting Russell Wilson. Like that's not happening. So gotta mm-hmm. stop there. The other funny name that would be on the market, which again, I'm not necessarily advocating for is Jimmy Garoppolo. That's another guy who probably is going to be on the market. Yes. So, right. Yes, he will be, he will be available. Um, I don't know that that necessarily solves anything, but I think he'll be available. And then of course, to your point, Teddy Bridgewater might be available too. <sighs> that's none of that's reassuring. None of that is reassuring. Yeah. You're just stuck in this um, treadmill of mediocrity. Great times. So, no, nah, I know. I know. I wish I wish I could say that the, the, the game was more fun to watch. And it really the problem is it really should have been. It should have been a better game. They they had opportunities. They could have made it interesting and they tripped over them their own feet. Again. Again. Thankfully, uh I was lamenting about it initially, but I was like, wait, this actually might be a good thing for my own mental health. The fact that next Sunday is Halloween and the game is at four 30, which means, you know, it's obviously going to be running into time. We've we'll taken our kids trick or treating. So right. I'm like, I'm going to miss the majority, if not the entirety of the game. And that's wonderful. Like that's, and you're great. not going to care. And I'm not going to care. I'm going to be doing something that's far more uh, better for my myself and my happiness and all of those things. So um, to the listeners, don't expect any post post game podcast next week. So I'll be in a far better state than having to watch this team honestly even if they win because like now you're three and five instead of you know two and five and by the way you're looking at tampa bay on the other side of the bye week who is just going to curb stomp us you're right you've got tampa bay carolina seattle vegas and then the nfc east and the raiders i thought were like one of the like okay well at least we get that one you can't say that anymore no no they're they're just wacky they're so weird you don't know what you're getting like Derek carr looks like the an MVP candidate one week and then a complete back to normal scared in the pocket deer in the headlights piece of shit. Yeah. He, is, he is the stagecoach and the pumpkin in, yeah. you know, week after week. He really is. And um, I still can't believe their defense gets so much pressure with like, who are these guys? I got to tell you it. Um, the comp I keep coming back to, with this Washington team is this smells so much like last year's Dallas team, right? Like last year's Dallas team is a bunch of hype. Everyone says this is a really good team. It could be really good outside of, you know, Mike McCarthy hiring, but like, it was just that stink bomb of an entire year. And like, that's what this season feels like for us. And the biggest way that Dallas fixed that stink bomb, because it wasn't by good coaching was getting rid of their defensive coordinator and hiring a competent one who has turned around that defense by and large. Um, obviously having how healthy Dak Prescott would be the number one thing. Uh, is, I, yeah. it, it, they, I, they have to, I, I'm not one for impulsive coaching decisions. They have to get rid of Del Rio. Del Rio's not using these guys, right? He's just not. Yeah. This He's staff wasting is not. their talents. I mean, they're, they're as, as if you look at all the ratings that they're getting to the quarterback, like they're getting pressure on the quarterback. They've got great, great pressure ratings, but they're just not getting home. And then the secondary is just lost. You can't have a historically, you can't justify keeping someone's job when you have the worst third down percentage in again, decades, They have the multiple decades. They have the worst yards. Like they, they, they give up the most passing yards of any defense in the NFL. Think about like opposing defenses literally don't fear third and seven plus. So they shouldn't, we give it up. Like it's nothing. Right. 
that's the only solution, honestly, I feel right now. If you want to do a band-aid to how to fix this team, and it's not like this, like right now, you fire them now, and all of a sudden they're going to be better because you have to figure out what happens from there. It's not like anybody on the defensive staff is going to step in and do better. But, um, yeah, encouraging. I know. It's a great highlight. I mean, uh, unfortunately, that I think I, I don't – I mean, unless they prove me dramatically wrong coming out of the bye, this is a lost season. Yeah. I don't think, I, I think it's, it's okay. You can write the obituary right now and it's not just an emotional reaction. I mean, yes, it, it's grounded in the emotional feeling towards this game, but like, what's your window of hope? Like, where, where's your window of optimism? What's your reason for optimism? It's not there. Good times. Now I can focus more again on red zone and the rest of the league and just keep these guys on the, keep an eye on them. All right. We'll leave it on that one. Um, thank you very much. Thank you first and foremost to John for stepping in last second to, to help commiserate this loss. Um, Thank you for everyone listening. Uh, as always, uh, make sure you listen and subscribe to us either via SoundCloud, Spotify, wherever the hell else our, spot, our podcasts available, Apple Podcasts, um, and subscribe to our YouTube channel where I'm trying to drop some stuff I haven't done so lately because we've been so moribund about wanting to talk about this team. So we'll talk about the Wizards more instead. Um, and uh, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for listening to the Hail to the District podcast. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever you download your podcast.